Kylie Dutson, a neurodiverse 30-something who is obsessed with organisational psychology and welcome to Lightbulb Moments, the podcast about all things psychology. Today I am joined by Joe Campos and we are going to be talking about culture. Joe, tell us about yourself. Hi, my name is Joe Campos. I work for a company called Resource Solutions and I am head of the Recruitment Delivery Centre based here in Manchester. On this episode, I do remember saying to you, I really like your skirt and you said, It's got pockets! (laughs) That is the classic (laughs) response. If you know, you know. Do you know what would be a really good idea? Trigger Joe's values. Trigger Joe's values and see what happens. It doesn't exist in a vacuum. It's a doing word and people have to drive it. Joe, welcome to Lightbulb Moments. Um, Thank you so much for coming on. I am very excited. Um, uh, So essentially what we start with doing is we start by talking about our origin story and I always let the guest give me their version first um, and then I add what I think my version of it and some of them are really similar and then some of them are wildly different (laughs) so tell us what's our origin story so it all starts back in a dark and dingy night. <laughs> On a dark, stormy night. Dark, stormy night. <laughs> um, no, we met um, in January of this year in a speakeasy. Is that all it, it was? It was, in a speakeasy in the Northern Quarter. We're both partners of the Greater Manchester Business Growth Hub and um, it's a great organisation that um, supports the growth of businesses in the Greater Manchester area. It does what it says on the tin, right? Um, And as part of that, part of the event, um, you get the opportunity to network. And what I love about the hub is you can be networking with people that are outside of your industry so you get really diverse thoughts, opinions. um, And I... Um, I met you because you were standing at the bar and you had pink hair. I did. You had pink hair and you had a dinosaur skirt on it. Yes. And I do remember saying to you, I really like your skirt. And you said, it's got pockets. (laughs) That is the classic (laughs) response. If you know, you know, um, a good skirt with good pockets. Um, And we had a really nice chat. And one of the things that I found striking about you, Jenny, was the simplicity of your approach. I thought you were going to say, was your simplicity. (laughs) But your your sort of um, elevator pitch was, hi, my name's Jenny. How can I help you? And mine was quite convoluted, trying to explain what recruitment process outsourcing was, the fact that I don't actually recruit, but I'm responsible for recruitment. It was a bit, you know, and I just, I took a lot from meeting you that sometimes simplicity is best, right? Introducing yourself to people is um, a really good way. Establish a connection and then just find what you've got in common, which is is great. Um, so yeah, that's our origin story. Yeah. So like every good love story, it started out <laughs> in a bar, in a speakeasy. <laughs> and I think I remember that we got to a point where, because you and I had kind of gravitated to to one another. <laughs> but as with any other networking event, what happens is Lots of people kind of join your space. And so what ten- what happened was you did your elevator pitch over and over 
and over again to the point where I was like, no, no, let me tell you what Jo does. <laughs> that was hilarious. Let me tell you yeah. what she does. <laughs> and from there, a beautiful friendship formed. <laughs> Absolutely. And then we've met each other at quite a number of different events across the city. And I know we're going to be talking about culture today, but Manchester itself has got such a great culture and a way of people being able to collaborate together in a really easy way that's not hard, that doesn't feel corporate and structured and, you know, people just want to connect with other people. Yeah. You know, we would never have had a connection um, in, in our, we're not in the same industry, right? Well, yeah. we're similar, mm -hmm. right? It's yeah. workplaces, et cetera. But, you know, we're not, you don't work in recruitment. I am not an organisational psychologist. <laughs> like, you know, the two worlds wouldn't necessarily always collide. But yeah. that's what I do really enjoy about being somewhere like Manchester, where you've got that culture of collaboration and giving back to the city that just really strikes a chord with me and I, that's why I love living here but different story different time different story <laughs> different day but yeah so you touched on a couple of things that we're going to talk about today we're going to talk about culture um, and the reason that I wanted you to come and talk about culture was just because like you say we've had a couple of events we've come and you've done you've held a, a growth um, hub event at your offices uh, so I kind of know a little bit about your culture but I know a lot about the effort that you put into culture. So I thought that you would be a fantastic person to come and chat about that. Um, and then also we'll touch a little bit on hybrid and the impact of hybrid working on culture as well. Mm. So I thought that that was kind of the plan of what we'd have a chat about today. Perfect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So culture, tell me, first of all, what, what does it mean to you? So I'm sure you've got some really learned explanation about culture. However, um, to me, it is just simply the actions of behave and behaviours of people within an organisation. So that's the that's the very simple basis of it. But you go sort of down another route or another level, um, and it can be quite a conceptual um, idea and a bit ethereal. And it's about feelings and emotional connections. But when you think back to it, actually some of those senses and feelings that you get are as a result of actions that people do. So if I think um, about, let's say, for example, in the recruitment industry, you're going for an interview. Did you get clear instructions on where to go to? When you got to the venue, did you get a welcome when you came in? Did somebody offer you a cup of tea or coffee? Did you get a biscuit? You know, like, that's like extra, extra. When you went in, did you overhear positive conversations? Did you get a good general sense that people like working there? So you might get these senses and feelings, but they're all connected to proactive emo uh, actions that people are doing. So that it's a doing word culture it's not a it doesn't exist in a vacuum it's a doing word and people have to drive it and you've got to have the energy to drive it which is what you've sort of said that you can see me doing things and know roughly some of the things that I do yeah. but you've got to be doing it it doesn't just exist without proactivity yeah and I think that what you talk what you talk about with it being an action is really important because actually we band around this word, word culture, don't we? Like, mm -hmm. oh, we want culture to be this and we want the culture to be that. And I think there's a lot of, uh, especially on like social media and thought leadership uh, at, the, at the moment, and especially over the last kind of six to eight months as well, talking about we don't just want a pizza party. We don't just want this kind of thing. So talk to me a little bit about that. What do you do to create the behaviour of culture that you're looking for in your office, in your in your world of work? 
It is multi-layered and multifaceted. <laughs> There's no just do one, everything. Uh, just, just do everything all at once. Every, what is that film? Everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah. Um, so for me, when I think about this, um, I'm going to give you, Simon Sinek give you start with why. Yes. So if you're talking about culture, you've got to start with yourself. So if you're a business leader, you actually have to think about who are you? And what do you stand for? So there's some really clear soul searching that needs to be done before you can create culture. Because an organisation can have the values that are written on the, you know, you'll go into an organisation and it'll say, aspire, achieve, believe. <laughs> Respectful. Respectful, exactly. But you know what, if it, if it, those are just words. If they're not created into actions, then they're, they're going to be no good. So... As a leader, I'm going to sort of talk about two aspects of that. So one is around um, role modelling and setting the tone. So there's an element of that. Um, and when I, I'm, going to, I'm going to do this via the medium of um, reality TV. Okay. Okay. So if you think about programmes like um, Super Nanny and um, Dogs Behaving Very Badly... <laughs> It is not the children and the dogs that are accountable for their actions. They're responsible for what they do, but ultimately it's the person that's in charge that sets the tone either by their own actions or inactions yep. to drive those behaviours. So it really, for me, all starts with leaders. Behaviours mm -hmm. in an organisation, creation of culture, starts with leaders and it is their responsibility to drive it. And through. they have to be visible as well, right? It can't just be the leaders saying the stuff. It has to be them doing a hundred percent because, you know, again, super nanny, if a child sees you or hears you doing something, they mimic, yeah. they copy. They it, By default, you're saying this is acceptable behaviour in this organisation. But with those programmes, it is fascinating that the smallest of tweaks make massive changes, right? So yeah. things like um, corrections and reinforcement and positive reinforcement of behaviours, corrections of behaviours that you think are, are veering off track. Those are the sorts of things that don't necessarily take a big shift, but it starts with a leader with role modelling. So that's, that's one aspect. Um, and then the other aspect is around um, your values. So understanding what you stand for and exhibiting those within the organisation. So again, you'll have your aspire, achieve, believe. I actually think that that is my daughter's school motto, but I'm, I'm picking it out. So you'll have those. There are other school mottos available. Uh, <laughs> disclaimer. Um, but you need to really dig deep into yourself to say, what, what do I stand for? And, you know, what am I going to promote within my organisation? And so I think, you know, I have two and my two are respect for people and respect for environment. So that's both the environment that you work in, in the office and having some respect about, you know, how you treat it and use the space, but also in your local community and what you give back to your local community. Hence why we do a lot of stuff together. You know, it's about giving back. So those are my two. And people, hopefully, in my office know that those are the things that I stand for. So those will then drive my behaviours, which then cascaded down through leadership, is what I expect to see in the office. And if you want to see me triggered, just, just tread on those two and that will set off, you know, some alarm bells ringing in me where I need to go back to the reality TV bit and go, right, let's... Let's kind of correct some of those things because they don't ring true to, to what I stand for. You're talking about a really interesting part of culture here because 
there's the there's the easy part of culture, which is oh we're going to do these lovely things and we're going to get together and we're going to collaborate and we're we're going to all share the same values. But you're actually talking about the piece where somebody doesn't adhere to it and that's the really hard part and it's about when you then actually am I going to hold you accountable for it and it sounds like you do hold mm-hmm. people accountable <laughs> so how many people have you got working under you within your in your office so in the office is 120 people okay uh, they don't all report into me because we've got different functions that'll have different leaders um that might be not in Manchester right but then I'll have a core group of people that report directly into me and I can cascade down information so a lot of what I do is around yes I've got my own direct reports and they sit in the office but then I've got this other group of people that don't report into me that I need to rely on um the spirit of community and working collaboratively as an office and all upholding the same values. That's not easy, but, you know, it takes time and effort and you need to have regular catch-ups and regular meetings to just make sure that everybody's setting those sort of standards. Yeah. And and you kind of, it was really interesting watching your body language when you talked about being triggered, right? And you're like, if you do something and it triggers me, like, how do you... Like in in the real world, because there'll be people listening that really want to build a culture and they know to do the nice fluffy things, but they might not be confident to be able to challenge when it's not going well. So how do you how do you recorrect? How do you correct the behavior when people are displaying something that isn't the culture that you want? And you're, you're giving me I'm a wry smile. An example, and it may sound really <laughs> petty, but here I'm going to give it a go. Give it. So and it's um. So again, respect for people, respect for environment. That's yeah. my two two sort of standards. And in our office, when people are in the office, everybody knows that you take your, when you're finished with your cup or your plate or whatever, you take it into the kitchen, you put it in the dishwasher because every now and again, I will be, just make sure you take that through. Or, you know, people will say, don't leave that on your desk. Just keep, it's constant reinforcement. So in the office, majority of the time, everybody, the you know, it works really well, right? Every now and again, somebody will put a dish in the sink. That's going to trigger me. So I'm just like, please don't do that. Let's either leave it to the side if the dishwasher's on and we'll, you know, put it in whenever it's whenever it's finished. We had a group of people from another office that came in that don't know the rules, right? They yeah. don't know those simple rules. Um, and at the end of the day, they went out and the place, there was cups and plates all on their desks. And for me... I'm thinking the cleaner is coming in now. There was 15 of you. You could have all taken those to the yeah. kitchen and um, made it easier for the cleaner. Now, I, that's a petty example, right? So, um, but you amplify that in any scenario where you feel like your values are being trodden on. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it's, it's not upsetting. <laughs> but it is, it, you just don't think it's not fair to yeah. do that to someone else. Therefore, next time they come and visit the office, now that I know that that's not part of their culture in their office, they will get told that I expect at the end of the day for them to clear their desks and make sure that everything's left in a nice, nice, nice way for the cleaners to come in so that she doesn't look at it and go, oh, no, this is crazy. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so you take that and you you replace it with whatever you want. I thought that's quite a, that's a common one that a lot of people might recognise because they might have it at home as well. So, you know, you can apply these tips and techniques to any kind of environment. When you're talking about um, respect for environment, um, I have a confession to make. What did you do? Did you leave a cup in the room? (laughs) 
I didn't leave a cup in the room, but um, do you remember, uh, so when we were at your offices and we were doing the summer social? Oh, yes. You told me about um, uh, items of around the settee area going missing. <laughs> I, before I left, um, hid three of the bee pillows that were on your... See, again, look, I, I'm coming across <laughs> as really I, petty here. And I put, them, I put them in different cupboards around the office because I thought it would be hilarious. Somebody must have found them because I... Did I tell you that story that I, I'm so proud of my office? And, and you know, we, we moved in there last year and I did all of the soft furnishings. I got these beautiful bee pillows from Marks and Spencers. And there was an occasion where one went missing regularly. And I went on this hunt for this pillow. I was like, who has taken my pillow? And then I realised somebody must be doing it to wind me up. It turns out it was it was the cleaner that was using it just kind of like when she was having her rest break. She'd have it in like a little sort of small alcove where I couldn't find it. So I did feel a bit bad. <laughs> well, after that conversation, <laughs> after that conversation, we obviously had had a couple of um, Proseccos. Yeah. And I thought, do you know what would be a really good idea? <laughs> Trigger Joe's values. Trigger, trigger Joe's values and see what happens. So, yeah, just just in case anyone ever wondered why those bee pillows ended up in the cupboards. The back. It was me. I <laughs> And I kind of feel like that's something I might do just every time I come to your office. Oh, I'm gonna I wish find... I'd not told you. <laughs> I can see producer, uh, producer Liam shaking his head in disgust in the corner at me. Like, just don't tell her. Don't tell her things that might trigger you. Um, so, let's talk about because um you and I have talked about culture and things that you do yeah um so run me through a couple of things that you do to create that culture to create that community and um, to create that respect within the community and, and kind of when you bring people together so there's lots and lots of different things so um when when I think about it at an organizational level that's um both in my remit and in the broader remit of the organization having a sense of purpose and understanding what your goals are and what you're you're all about and 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 need to achieve is super important so setting that really clearly there you go that's prime that's your base level everybody needs to know why they're coming to work and what they're doing and having clear roles and definitions so um and then thinking about how you keep people updated on those your communication plan needs to be strong and structured and people need to be able to to get access to it okay. so you need a real combination of different factors and i know we were talking about hybrid working you know you can't get to people in the same way as you did before so we're using lots of different mediums so we're having in-person town halls where you can go along and and um hear what's going on we'll have um uh, RMDs do a monthly update. They do that on something called Workplace, which is technically Facebook for work. Okay. Um, so you can watch that at home whilst it's going live. You can watch it on playback. Or if you're in our offices in Manchester, I will get everybody together at half past four and say, you are leaving your desk and you're all going to watch this together. Um, so we'll watch that. And that's a really good way to stay connected. Feel that sense of purpose. It's a good chance to hear shout outs on what other teams are doing well so you can connect into that so that's all creating a sense of belonging understanding where we are on that kind of um, journey then down at a bit more of an individual individual level we're looking at how we um, develop our people 
So we introduced um, OKRs this year. So previously we'd been doing um, annual appraisals or biannual appraisals. So you do your objective setting six months and then end of year. And this year we started to do um, OKRs, which are objectives and key results. And I ha- Thank you for giving us what that means. Because oh, there'll no. be some people that don't know. No, they're like, okay. okay, what? Um, and with those, you have a clear cascade down from the top as to the core things that the organisation is doing. And you will put your stamp on each of those. So for us, it will be things around financial performance. It'll be about um, ED&I. It'll be about people, people development. And you need to really work with those. But the good thing about OKRs is you do a monthly check-in. So um, that then means I am held accountable. I report into the chief operating officer, right? He is not going to let me slip um, each month or get to six months and say, Joe, why didn't you do that? It's like, right, I need to know that. When I'm seeing Dan at the end of the month, I've done this. And then it means I set my targets then for the next month to keep going. So all of those are creating this culture of... um, on you know ongoing um, achievement of objectives and then it's quite great you feel like quite proud at the end of the month going I, I did this I, I sort of I sort of got there um, and so that cascades down within the organization and again people are on that journey with you um, some of the other things that we're doing sit more in the ED&I space so about creating um, opportunities for people to um, connect And to, um, so like our employee resource groups, those groups are changing the Mm organisation. You know, some people that, I had somebody say to me the other day, you know, about um, what happens whenever your kids are uh, sick. And, you know, we don't really have a policy for that or it's not really clear. And I'm thinking, not even on my wavelength, my daughter's 25. I'm, you know, so I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be thinking about this, but creating a forum for people to come together and actually say, these are the things that we want our HR teams to be thinking about. So they're really invaluable. It's important though, that we don't overburden those employee resource groups and that they feel like they're actually able to achieve, um, what's possible for them, right? And I'm assuming those employee resource groups have specific focuses. So you have like an EDI one, maybe you have a menopause one, maybe you, is that the kind of thing it is? Yeah, so you have your pride network, which is LGBTQ+. Um, We've got um, a disability and carers group. We've got a family group. Um, So that, I mean, we're gradually building more and more out. The important thing about those is that they're employee-led and that we don't, it's not a cascade down. We're not saying this is the objectives that we need you to achieve. We've got, we've got broad um, six pillars of our EDI strategy. And so long as you do something that kind of fits in with those, you, yeah. know, you know that you're on the right, you're on the right journey. Yeah. Um, so I'm also the EDI lead um, for, for my region. So it's important for me to stay connected with all of those groups and just listen and hear what's going on and equally to drive the agenda forward for, mm-hmm. for my own region. So that's some of the things that we're doing at, at a big group level there are lots of like the formal things right there yeah. the, the structured things but yeah. I'm assuming well I know Joe. I know you've got other things in there which are because <laughs> uh, I've experienced them and benefit, benefited from them some of those things that are maybe a little less formal a little <laughs> less grown up going on in the office well I think about Manchester myself you know I, I, and again I'm uh, when I think about how my relationship with my boss um 
he's what I call, and I have, I've had several of these, he's what I call a Red Bull manager. They give you wings, right? Okay. So um, he empowers me to just make the right decisions that I feel for um, my region. doesn't say, you know, you need to do this, Joe. He doesn't say, if you're, you're in that region, he's in London, I'm, I'm here, I can, I can do what I need to do. Obviously, within certain constraints and confines. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I can't get carried away. Um, but, you know, he'll let me build the culture that I need to, to build, right? Okay, so um, when we, we were in a previous office and we moved in just after the pandemic as everybody was coming back into the lovely offices in Deansgate. But our previous offices were across three floors. And one of the core conditions that I wanted to achieve um, when we were looking for a new property was to have everybody on the same floor. Okay. Because it was a real struggle to build a culture running up and down between three floors. And you'd have floor three had a culture, floor <laughs> five had a culture, because we'd had no floor four, and then floor six had a culture. And they were all different, and everybody was in different rooms. And that's not easy to build um, culture when people are in diverse locations even in the same building, yeah. right? So don't even throw hybrid working into the mix. But so one of the conditions was to have everybody on the same floor. And then we had, uh, we were designing and some of the things that we were looking at were, you know, what goes where? And we had lots of co-working spaces and all of that sort of stuff. And I said, maybe I should just ask our people what they, what they expect to see in the office, just to make sure that I'm not going too far off kilter. Um, and they said two core things. One, they wanted lots of bees, hence my bee cushions. Bees, okay. You can see in my office there are a lot of bees. Bee is the symbol of Manchester. They wanted to feel like, and I think, yes, Lou, you can laugh about it, they wanted bees, but the, the bee is the, is the identity of Manchester. Yeah. So it told me that they wanted a clear identity yeah. and they wanted people to know that they were coming into the Manchester office. So identity is important to them. The other thing that they said is, could we have just somewhere where we can go and chill out and relax? Hence why I've got my living room area in the middle. There's two sofas. They said, can we have things like mindfulness colouring in books? Can we have an area where we can be creative? And I'm like, absolutely. So... We had an area that was designed for co-working and I got warned by facilities I was taking away co-working space and like, yes, but if people aren't happy and this is what they've asked for, let, let's put it in there. And that space is used a lot. Is it? So that's another yeah. thing. Is it actually used it, or was it just created and people were like, oh, this would be lovely to be able to go and colour in and then it just the books just sit there <laughs> dusty and empty? No, the books have been used okay. and they have been used by adults. They've also been used by some of the kids at the Christmas nice. kids party. Yep. That, that's quite nice they did scribble on a lot of my furniture as well I'm like come around clean off um, don't worry Dan it's clean <laughs> um, so th they are used they are used for informal one-to-ones so people rather than going nice. sitting in a desk or sitting in a room they'll go for a quick catch-up they're also used if you see in the office I noticed yesterday somebody's knitting is sitting there so somebody likes to knit they have a craft circle I say they right they like we they, we <laughs> but I say they because um we've got a we've got a social committee that I'd set up and that literally runs all the activities for the office right I don't have all the ideas they'll come to me every now and again and say can we get some bunting or can we have a little bit of money for something but you know these things don't have to cost loads of cash 
Um, but yeah, I say they because once they felt that that social committee felt enabled to just get going, they set up the craft circle. They didn't come to me and say, Joe, could we set up a craft circle? It was like, just go ahead and do whatever you want to do. If you think that that's going to be sociable and it's going to be interesting for a number of different people, go ahead. Yeah. And it's amazing what happens once you empower people with responsibility. They set up a lending, they, again, they, not me, I didn't do this. They set up a lending library. So there's some avid readers in the office. I'd put in some books Again, Manchester themed. <laughs> I'd gone round all the charity shops before we set up um, and got some books. But they just added to that. So they've got this lending library that they just set up, which, you know, came from them. I have nothing to do with it. So, yes, the social committee, my idea, does sit somewhat under my remit, but it's its own independent entity where that team will create loads of activities. So some of the things, you're looking for practical examples, right? So things... Tell us about the beer trolley, Joe. <laughs> the beer trolley... <laughs> Well, <laughs> recruiters are well known for um, liking a bit of a drink. There's a real generalisation for you. But I was really keen to make sure that a lot of the stuff that we did in the office isn't necessarily always focused around alcohol because yep. it's not really good for, for well-being. Although we do have a beer trolley on a Thursday where at the end of the day we just go, used to be on a Friday, but Fridays are not the end of the week now. Thursday's the Thursday's new Friday. New Friday. So we'll just say so have one beer and just say, you know, um, well done for a, for a good job, well done. But some of the other things that social committee do are things like, it's Eurovision. What are we going to do for Eurovision? And we've got lots of different people from lots of different countries. We all brought in some food from um, the countries that we uh, are from. So I made some potato bread. Because anyone that knows Jo knows she's a feeder. I'm a feeder. <laughs> um, so we all brought that in, put it into the kitchen. Then at lunchtime, you just help yourself to some really nice snacks. Somebody did a Eurovision quiz. Those, look, you might sort of say it's not all about pizza parties, but those opportunities for people to come together and connect and make social connections and make friends is important. I have told people that I really lament the days before COVID when we had office relationships, office babies, all of those things that bind people together, make them feel connected, make them feel like they belong. Yeah. Those are gone and we're trying to build some of those things back in again um, into into organisations. But it's not hard and it needs somebody to work at it, right, yeah. to, to, to build those things yeah. in. So with the... Um uh, with the hybrid working then because we've talked about hybrid working and um, you know we talked about people no one's in the office on a Friday anymore mm -hmm. how do you build a culture when some people don't want to come into the office mm. how do you because that's really difficult and especially when we look now people there are some organizations which are forcing people back to the office and saying if you don't want to come back to the office leave mm. and there are other groups of people who are like well I'll come to the office but you need to now pay my travel because I've been able to work from home all this time and it's not been a problem mm. so now you need to pay me more money if you want me to come into the office yeah what are your thoughts on this how do you create culture with within that space it's a complex web to work your way through so we've asked people to do um what we're calling anchor days in the office okay so your team will have an anchor day that could be a tuesday or it could be a wednesday or it could be a thursday some teams might do an anchor day every two weeks it's, it's really up to them but we do think it is really important for people to come into the office at least one day it's i genuinely personally do not think it is much to ask people to come into the office you know i've, I've got one person on my team who 
um, was living, where was she living? She was living in Manchester before the pandemic, has moved to Lancaster. She's in the office today because she has a team and she expects her team to be in the office on the anchor day. So she's got herself up at five o'clock in the morning and she's come down. Now, look, you know, yes, that is, um, it's not ideal, right? But... She's got a team here. She wants her team in the office. She's got to set the standards. She's got to set the behaviours. She chose to move out of the area. And you've got lots of, you know, you amplify that. That's one example. You amplify that by whatever number. Um, But I do, I genuinely do think it is really important for people to be connecting with each other in person. Your frequency of that, that's down to you to decide. But we, so we do, um, as part of our sort of culture and understanding people, we do an employee engagement survey. Yeah. And I have got, um, so I can see, you know, the people that are in my office, but I've also got this group of people that are kind of connected to my office. But during the pandemic, we hired them and they're nowhere near Manchester, right? So they probably will never come in. When I look at the results of that survey, those people are not as engaged or not as satisfied as the people that get an opportunity to come into the office. So I think there is a really good business case to say your remote workers, you know, not in every situation, are not feeling as connected and as as engaged and belong as much as people that get an opportunity to come together. And I think about, you know, us as individuals, you and you and me, you know, we wouldn't be doing this podcast because we would have never met each other yeah. on a webinar. I would not have seen your dinosaur skirt, right? So I would have had no hook to have a connection with you and actually say, you know, I did during the pandemic, I did a few EDI um webinars and they'd have like a breakout for networking I'd swerve those even (laughs) though I'm a people person and I absolutely love it I just thought I'm not sure I'm like it's not my comfort zone just going into a like a a web chat and just going you know talking about the weather you get some of those really good connections when you meet in person I think about some of the EDI events that I went to before that are whole day sessions some of the best conversations you have are over coffee. Whenever, you know, when when the event is having breaks and you just, you'll say, I like your skirt or these are really nice kicks and there's your opportunity to say, oh, who are you and what do you do? And then find out more about them. You cannot do that yeah. in a... Uh, in a chat room on a on a an online event, it's yeah. it's really difficult to build the same level of rapport as you would do in person. So I'm a well, I'm an extrovert. So like I do, I will. Shock. Oh. I'm shocked, <laughs> Joe. I don't believe it. <laughs> I'll always favour in person connections yeah. over and above things that are online. And I think it sounds like there's something as well that you're talking about in terms of. Um, understanding the energy and and if we go back to your leader who now travels from Lancaster that it almost it brings us full circle to that leader having to essentially be the person that displays the behavior first and then yeah. says listen guys if I can do all of this then I and you live a little bit closer then this is the culture that we we want to to build together I think in terms of if we've got people right now listening um, that are leaders or that are like project managers that have, because every single team has a version of culture and it just depends on how much you can influence in that space. If you were to say, these are your, if you want to get started to create the culture that you want, here are my three top tips. What are your three top tips for anyone that's listening that wants to create the right culture for them? Start with yourself. Start with yourself. So yeah, that's, you know, you've got to really understand are you are you exhibiting the right role modeling behaviors 
and are you um do you understand what your own values are yep. right um and then the, the second one for me would be you need to talk to your people. So whether that is a formal engagement, you know, engagement and employee engagement survey or something else, then um, that is absolutely critical because that is going to tell you what your people are thinking. If you've got a bit of money to spend, do it, use, um, you know, a tool tool to do it. Um, So there's loads of them out on the market. But by doing it that way, you can um, one you can collect the feedback, but you two you can um, you can dissect it into lots of different ways. So I can say people that are remote feel this way, people that are in the office feel this way, people that have got a certain amount of tenure feel this way, people that sit in this team feel like this, but over here they're feeling something different. That's going to tell me that there's differences in management style. Well, everybody knows that there yeah. is, right? Yeah. Sometimes you'll get a sense of it, but those surveys are going to really tell you exactly um you know what people are thinking and there's something about those surveys with what you're saying as well which is don't just do the survey spend some time looking at the data so we've got number one which is think about yourself so spend some time reflecting on who you are what your values are what actually culture you want to create yeah two Ask your people, which 100%. I think for, is such a is such a simple. Ask your people what they want and survey them in a formal way or informal way, whatever works. And then the three is don't forget to have fun. Don't that, forget to have fun. Don't forget to have fun. Honestly, like some of the things we've just had our um, annual charity day on Friday. And I have not had so much fun in a long time. I was exhausted at the end of the day. So we spent the whole day raising funds for a local charity. And you've been on our roof terrace, right? If you saw 20 people with a balloon tied to each each ankle, (laughs) trying to stomp somebody else's balloon, and that's all raising money. But again, you know, those things... As much as they're raising money, as much as they're corporate organised events, we've come up with the ideas. These people are having fun together. They're building a relationship. You've got to get people building relationships within teams. That just makes your life easier um, when coming to roll out difficult things. If your team feel like they're gelled and connected, they'll be like, right, we're in this together with you. um, And we're we're all going to pull together in the same direction towards your purpose that you've set, right? So it kind of all comes full circle. That makes sense. Yeah. Joe, we are at time. Thank you so much for coming and talking to us about culture today. Um, some really tangible things in there that you've given us, which is amazing. Um, my final question, can I have a job? Oh, come on. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. I hope you've had fun. Yeah, I have. It's great. <laughs> Thank you. I loved that session with Joe. I don't know about you guys. I really enjoyed talking about culture. Um, My light bulb moment is a really simple one for today, which is just ask your people what they want. Don't assume that you know what they want in terms of culture. Just go and ask them. And that's it from me today. Toodles. Toodles.